Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 3 and going down to verse 7. As we said last time, the book of Hebrews starts off with the supremacy of Christ. It's all pointing to Jesus Christ. This is an encouragement For the young Hebrew believers, it's an encouragement for Christian believers today. It's the last word from God to man. The work has been done. It's all been accomplished through Jesus Christ. There's nothing you and I can do to add to this work or to make it even better. Jesus has done it all. And this is the gospel message. It's a free gift from God Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's gift to you. And so that's where we're starting. And in verse 3, as we saw yesterday, Jesus, talking about Jesus here, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. It's Jesus Christ who is the glory of God, the nature of God, And we see the power of God all manifested in in Jesus Christ. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to feel like you can approach God? Well, God has approached you. God, the essence of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the personification of God in the in in the flesh he is the personification of the word of god the word of god the bible that you have is the word of god jesus christ is the personification of the word of god he is his glory glory he is his nature and he is his power and we see the same thing mcgee points out colossians chapter 115 15, he's talking about Jesus Christ too. Paul's writing about it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. In other words, this is what Jesus is saying. He made all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And if you turn over to Colossians chapter 2, verses 9, Paul again talks about Christ. He says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In other words, you're filled up. With this, Jesus Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So that is the preeminence of Christ, the preeminence of Christ through heaven and earth, and this preeminence of Christ amazingly now dwells in each one of us through our faith in Him and sharing in His burial and resurrection. So what a marvelous picture of the supremacy of Christ And we see that here, He is the radiance, back in Hebrews chapter 1, of God's glory. He is the imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He's the glory, the nature, and the power of God. And then He says, After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The purification of sins, again, was his work on the cross, his sacrifice for us on the cross. This is the gospel message. This is what he did to purify us. So after he did this, after he sacrificed himself, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the right hand of God. And as McGee says in the Psalms, chapter 110, the 110th Psalm, It says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And when this is a Psalm of David and the Elo and it says, the Lord said to my Lord, the Lord, the first Lord was capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And whenever that's written in the Old Testament, that refers to God, the father. And then to my Lord, that's who David is referring to as his Lord. That's a reference in the psalm to Jesus. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then down in verse uh, 4, it says, The Lord, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that means God the Father, has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So in other words, he's talking about Jesus Christ, again, you're going to be a priest forever. You're going to sit at my right hand, and you're going to be a priest forever. 
after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was this really holy figure that Abraham, back in the days of Abraham, back in Genesis, that he gave tithings to. Uh, Abraham respected this priest. This was a royal priest back in these days. He was a he was a ruler. He was a king and a priest. King and a priest. I think he, his um, Melchizedek was um, uh, king of Salem, this um, uh, city of Salem, and uh, so he's a king and a priest. And this king and a priest there. Some people. Um, have said that you know Melchizedek was Jesus Christ on earth even before coming in humility, but again, that's uh, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, he is referenced. Christ is referenced as being a king and a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and of course, uh, McGee says, "Why would Jesus be after Melchizedek?" Well, maybe. Um, you know, Jesus is already supreme. He's already with God in heaven before the world begun, begins. So he is the beginning and the end. So, you know, it seems a bit counterintuitive that he would be after Melchizedek or maybe after that order of Melchizedek, but I'm not sure. Uh, and that's uh, beyond the scope of this uh, Bible study uh, today. But in any event, the reference here is that Jesus, after purifying us for his sins, it is finished. He sits down. He is his. Uh, it has been completed what he has had to do. Now he is alive. Now, uh, the, the, the real point here is that Jesus is alive. He was raised from the dead and he's with God at the right hand, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So in other words, he is above everything. And the angels, nothing. Don't have anything on him. And then he kind of asks rhetorically here, for which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son today, I have begotten you. This is a quote from Psalms chapter 2. Verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, what does that mean? Today I have birthed you? Um, and what McGee points out is, today I have begotten you. I mean, we always, you know, reference Jesus as, you know, his only begotten son. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever might believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, we think about his only son, Jesus, was the son of God, and he was born in Bethlehem with Joseph and Mary. We think about that kind of birth, that being begotten, being born. But this reference here is being begotten from the dead. He is the firstborn from the dead. So there's another meaning to this um, word begotten. You are my son, Today I have begotten you. That is this decree. And Paul, uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 33, Paul's given a sort of a sermon here, and he quotes um, this reference in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. So Paul, in Acts 
13.33 is quoting Psalm chapter 2.7, and he's talking about this thing about Jesus being begotten, and it's in uh, context of raising Jesus from the dead. So we'll start here uh, in Acts chapter 13, verses 30. He says, But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, that he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm. This is Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. In other words, raised him. He's been born, but he's the firstborn of the dead. Verse 34, And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. Corruption meaning decay, because he never was corrupted. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy, the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. So Paul is saying Jesus uh, was the Son of God, and today I have begotten you. And so back in Hebrews, it's saying, for which of the angels did God ever say, you know, I've begotten you, I've raised you from the dead? Nobody. Jesus is the first one. Or again, as we continue in Hebrews, or again, this is again still in chapter 5, verse 5, verse 1, I mean chapter 1, verse 5. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be my son. And we get this. This is also a quote from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 14. This is when he's making a covenant with David, okay? That will, and that uh, reads, I will be a father to him, and he shall be to me a son. So he's talking uh, with a covenant to David, but he's really not talking about David being his son. He's referencing Christ. And then uh, in uh, Hebrews uh, verse 6, we read, And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Now, that's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. And that reads in Deuteronomy, Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children. And takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses the people's land. Okay? So this back and even in Deuteronomy, he they are talking about Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn in all the world, and all the angels rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods. He's saying, rejoice and bow down and worship him. This is Jesus Christ. Let all God's angels worship him. Verse 7. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. This is a quote 
from Psalm chapter 104, verse 4. That reads, he makes, his, he makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. This means his angels are going to be his ministers. His angels will worship him. His angels are there to serve him. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the chief priest. He sits down with God the Father. He is a priest and a king, just like Melchizedek was. And he is the firstborn from the dead. He is the glory of God. He is the nature of God. He is the power of God. There is no prophet greater than this. He is the Son of God. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator of all things, and all things were created for Him, by Him, and through Him. Just a powerful um, a powerful opening here to Hebrews, all about Jesus Christ, and He's drawing from the New Testament writings of Paul, and He is drawing from the Old Testament Psalms, He is drawing back even to Genesis. Oh, no, I'm sorry, back to Deuteronomy. And the reference to Melchizedek even goes back to Genesis. And so, and we see this pointed through the Psalms. So, this whole reference to Jesus Christ is through and through, all through the Bible. Every part of the Bible is pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the beginning. He is our present, and He is our future. Jesus Christ will be worshipped for all time. He is alive right now with God the Father. He is giving you hope right now because His Spirit dwells in you. It's been given to you freely. The fullness of Jesus Christ, the power of God, dwells in you. The glory of God, the nature of God, the power of God dwells in you. Working out your salvation for you day by day as you walk in Him. Helping transform you to His holiness. So, from me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time as we continue this incredible study of the book of Hebrews, and it starts off on the highest peak we can get to the preeminence of Jesus Christ. So I hope this was helpful. I'll see you next time. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, can't wait to uh, hear what you have to say about this and just enjoy walking through this with you. So God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, all the way to verse 7. This section, we see that Christ is superior to the angels, and he has a program for the future. So he's the heir of all things, and we are joint heirs with him. So he's in charge, and we're just joint heirs with him if we are in Christ. And, you know, there is a purpose in everything that he does and in everything that is um, current right now so he does everything for a purpose and for a reason because he made the ages so 
there is a purpose for everything. So the ages, uh, as we explained in the earlier um, study, is um, you know he reveals everything at his own time and um, at, you know in a diverse way. So the universe we live in today is moving towards the accomplishment of that particular purpose. And um, you know Jesus is the person of God the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So he is God manifest in flesh. This is what scripture stated when, um, you know, he was being described. And um, that was in verse 3, um, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So, he is God manifest in the flesh. Paul described him in Colossians 2 verse 9. Let me quickly turn there. And Colossians 2 verse 9 reads, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So that was Paul's description. Because you know God, Jesus is God the Son manifest in the flesh. And he is the preserver of all things. You know as described um in our, um, in, in, um, actually in verse three, um, where it reads, um, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged, um, of our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, you know, not only did he make everything, he is also the keeper, the preserver of all things. So he created and holds all things together. So God's in charge. This universe is just not randomly running on its own. And then he purged our sins uh, and he went through it for us. Um, the one who comes to Christ receives that full redemption. Um, and, um, you know, because he is our redeemer, he redeemed us from our sins. And, you know, we receive that full redemption and complete forgiveness of sins. And this reaches to the past, you know, to the Old Testament. He is our provision for the present. And he is alive as he sat down on the right hand of God. Because, you know, our God, like um, if you look at the pagan gods, those gods are dead gods. They are not alive. They made them out of um, things here on earth that God actually created. Uh, for us, he is alive. He died and he, re he resurrected. He, he woke up from the dead, he resurrected, and he seated at the right hand of the Father. So our God is God, is a God who is alive. And this is the message of the Hebrews, and they are some things to note um, of this statement. And, um, you know, the first thing to note, um, let me just read verse 3, the, the things to actually note in the statement. Verse 3 reads, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, um, our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So here, the first thing to note in this statement, he received a glory and majesty when he went back to the father's throne that he never had before because he actually died. He has those nail-pierced um, hands with a, a, a scar of a sword of a spear on his side and um, he went he actually got that uh, received that glory and majesty that's not a glory and majesty he actually had 
but he received it after he died and resurrected and died for our sins and became our redeemer. Um, and today he is there uh, in all of his glory and majesty and he is um, the God man. So it's God manifest in the flesh. So he sat down because redemption is complete. He didn't sit down because he was tired. No, he sat down because um, his redemption was complete. It is done. Uh, it's like, you know, when God was creating the universe, you know, on the seventh day, he sat down and it's not that he was tired. You know, God didn't even have to do much to actually create um, the universe. He just spoke, you know, like he would speak out something because he's a creator. If he says, let there be a tree, psh, a tree, you know, comes up. So it didn't take much. And, um, you know, so he sat down because redemption is complete and we can't add or subtract anything to the redemption. So he wrote for us on that that he actually wrote for us on that cross we can't say oh hey i will do you know good works and all and that's going to add to you know um, the redemption that we received on cross no we can't do anything because na naturally by nature we are sinners and we um require saving and this is why christ paid that particular price he came down to earth um and was made human he was lower than the angels and he came down here and became human um, and he was humiliated and he died on that particular cross so that he receives that glory, glorious majesty. And, um, you know, we can't add or subtract anything, um, because he, he, to actually the redemption of, um, Christ, because he wrote it for us on the cross and he has already completed our redemption and we are complete in Christ. If we read Colossians 2 verse 10, it reads, oops, um, let me just turn there. Colossians 2 verse 10 reads, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So Christ is the head of everything. He's the creator. He's in charge. He is in charge. He preserves us. He, uh, he's basically the creator of everything. And Christ today has a ministry. So he died down here to save us. And he lives up there to actually keep us safe. So he has a ministry um, of intercession, of shepherding, um, discipline, discipline his church and he's still at God's right hand and is still interested in the church and he's available for us today. If we go to him, he answers according to his will. So yeah, Christ responds and answers our prayers according to his will, not according to our will. So he is there for us today. Um, you know, he's there for us right now. And, you know, now's a great time to actually um, look to Christ and receive Christ because he is there all the time. Because we never know what might happen the next second. I'm walking and, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, something falls on my head and, you know, I die. And have I received Christ in my life? So we now come to seven statements concerning him that are stated uh, in verse 4. So here, verse 4 um, goes on to read, Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So he is superior to angels. Here again, the statement is retaliated, or is actually retaliated. Um, he is superior to angels because, you know, history in the, like, because the Hebrews, you know, they were moving from the intertestaments, you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament of law to the New Testament, now the, the age of grace where um, Christ was now introduced. And they 
always thought in the Old Testament, you know, the angels were actually next to God. They were that important. But now there was um, God the Son. There was Jesus Christ who actually came. And here the statement is being uh, retaliated that, um, you know, God is far superior than angels because he is heir and they are just servants. He is ruler and creator. And, you know, they are messengers. So, um, you know, angel figures in the ministry of the nation Israel are told, uh, we are told that the law was given by, you know, the ministry of, um, the ministry and agency of angels, and they figured prominently in the Old Testament. So the mercy seat had two cherubims, um, you know, that veil of the cherubims, and Isaiah had a vision of the seraphims, and in Revelations, in the last days, after the church is removed, there is an angel ministry of judgment. So that will take place. Um, and angel ministry is not connected with the church at all. As a child of God, we are indwelt in the Holy Spirit. That's the third Godhead. So, you know, this whole thing of, oh, I have a guardian angel. So, you know, the Holy Spirit is the third Godhead that is actually indwelt in us. And what can that, you know, guardian angel do that the Holy Spirit cannot do and do it better? So that, um, you know, we have that Holy Spirit that watches over us and not a guardian angel. So we don't have to go through angels we have the Holy Spirit and we have a great intercessor for us and that's Christ Jesus. So let's center our main um, our main priority and our mind on Christ and not on angels. Because you find, you know, certain people, they tend to focus a lot on angels. You know, um, you know, this angel and that angel. And, you know, in the end you have, you know, demonism tends to come in because we're focusing on creatures creatures of god and we're not focusing on the holy spirit and you know on our intercessor and our redeemer the lord jesus christ so the hebrew christians were um saturated with the old testament so this is an intertestament so they were saturated with the old testament and with the angel ministry so um here we have praise for the future now uh, in this particular uh, scripture um, and it says um, having become so much better than the angels so he was higher than the angels as he has an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they so um, you know um, we have in revelations 1 verse 12 um, the glorified Christ will be like the sound of a trumpet so it's not an angel who's actually going to come it's going to be the glorified Christ uh, Christ. So John had um, written here. Uh, let me just quickly turn to the book of Revelations. Revelations 1, verse 12. Okay. Okay. So Revelations 1, verse 12 reads uh, Then I turned to see, so this is John, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and having turned I saw seven golden lamp stands so um you know like when Christ comes his voice is going to be like the sound of trumpets it's not going to be angels who are going to come it's going to be um um thingy it's going to be uh the Lord Jesus Christ so he is far superior than the angels so we have um had you know we have been pardoned for our sins and you know that's the past um that's Christ when he died on the cross and we have the provision for the present that's uh for right now um and then there's praise for the future so angels angels were very prominent in the old testament ministry and um an angel just technically means a messenger and angels and angel worship 
uh, and angels worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So they are creatures because they were created by the Lord Jesus. They were created by God. So the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament um, and is the angel of the Lord. So when the angel of the Lord is mentioned, angel of the Lord, that means um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the Lord now has become a man and him assuming human form does not appear um, does not appear of the Lord. He's the man, Christ Jesus, the son of man. So uh, he is the only angel of the Lord, but he is higher than the angels. So we now have uh, a series of quotes from, you know, the, the Old Testament. And six are from um, the Psalms. And Psalms are all about Christ. You know, Psalms are hymn books. Um, you know, I like the way Dr. B. McGee phrased it. They are him books. They are about him. So it's got the Psalms have a better description of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, um, you know, compared to, you know, all the Gospels, the four Gospels that were written. So they present, they praise Christ and they present to us um, Christ. So it's a him book. So, um, you know, we have now the writers here. The writer here of the book of Hebrews is quoting from the Old Testament to enforce his point. So verse 5 goes on to read, To which which the angels did he ever say? So he quotes mm, Psalm 2 verse 7 says, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. That's um, in 2 Samuel 7 verse 14 so here um this was actually quoted by paul in acts 13 but paul says it had no reference with bethlehem it had a reference to the resurrection of christ uh when he brought him back from the dead and he's the only one that could um you know that's that could die for the sins of the world. So no angel could actually save us. Only Christ can. So um, I'll just read that again. Psalms 2 verse 7, which reads, um, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. So it does not refer to uh, Bethlehem. And um, now the second quotation, actually, this um, is God's promise to David when he made his covenant with David he told him at that time I'm going to bring one in your line so when God gave this to David uh, it had reference to Christ you know though some scholars and some critics would say no it referred to like um, Solomon but um, it actually refers to the Lord Jesus Christ and verse 6 goes on to read but when he again brings the firstborn into the world he says let all the angels of God worship him. That's from Deuteronomy, uh, the book of uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. So um, here, uh, the angel of God, you know, the angels of God are inferior to the sun. Because as they are to worship him, uh, then, um, and um, so, so, so these angels are creatures who have to, who are created by God and they have to worship um Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ when he was born. Verse 7 is a quotation from Psalms 104 verse 4 and it reads, And of the angels he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? So here now we see here again that they are his angels, his ministers, worshippers. 
So the writer is using Old Testament scripture to actually show that Christ is superior to angels. So, um, you know, this, um, you know, in as much as, yes, it, it was between the Testaments, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament to just make the Hebrews understand that Christ is far more superior. This also um, highlights the point of people who like to just say, you know, um, God was just one of the messengers of, of, oh, Jesus Christ was just one of the messengers. Uh, the, he ha- you know, our Redeemer, our Messiah hasn't yet come. Those people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, this actually just, you know, tends to just, you know, bring it out like highlight it you know that um you know the lord jesus christ is our redeemer he is our savior he is god the son and um he is far superior than the angels and um he is the one we're actually waiting for the second coming of the lord jesus christ or you can say the third coming or you know whichever coming that suits you best depending on um you know how far off um we have gone in our studies so yeah this is today's teaching uh thank you all for listening in Uh, God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.